Welcome back to another episode of the People of Packaging podcast. Before we get to this interview with Brandon and Ivan from Handsome, where we get to talk about holistic design and branding experiences and the role the packaging plays in that, I want to talk to you about uh, the company where I work, Myers. We are helping brands bring these holistic packaging designs from companies like Handsome. We're helping them come to life whether it's labels or POP displays or packaging, really complicated, weird things, all the way down to your normal run-of-the-mill stuff, we've got you. So if you got questions about it, you can hit me up on LinkedIn. Just find me there, Adam Peak. You can also go to Myers.com. There's a little chat box there. There's some ways to fill out the contact information. But hit us up. Bring us your challenge. We have got you. All right. Uh, I got to sit down with Brandon and Ivan. I had a tremendous conversation with them about what they're doing at Handsome. So let's get to that interview right about now. All right. Well, we are uh, back here with another episode of the People of Packaging podcast, uh, the most exciting podcast on the Internet, according to my mom, uh, which is just really great, guys. Uh, you should be proud. This is your first podcast, right? It is, it is. It is, right, yeah. Man, man. Well, uh, Joe Rogan will be next, no doubt about it. So I am joined here by Brandon and Ivan. They are not only two handsome dudes, but they also are with a company called Handsome, which is which is really cool. So why don't you guys just tell us real quickly, we'll start with you, Brandon. Uh, you know, what do you do and what do you do at Handsome and how did you get there? In a, in a short period of time, not like... Okay, wow. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to be as succinct as possible. Perfect. Uh, so my name is Brandon Termini. I am one of the founders of Handsome. Been around for about 10 years. Um, I lead our creative teams, uh, de designing basically creative experiences, whatever form they take on, whatever medium. Uh, how did... You wanted me to get into the details of how how we got how handsome started, or what do you think? Sure. Yeah, this is uh, there's no rules. This is a no holds bar podcast. We get crazy about is, on the packaging podcast. It's the same kind of founder story. We we looked at the industry. We looked at the industry. We all kind of had different diverse backgrounds um, through through design, um, and you know thought that we could do something better, uh, more efficient, smaller, more fo focused teams collaborating together closely with the clients to uh, deliver great work and uh, kind of started with one project as us, the founders being that team. And then, you know, went from, from there now, 10 years later, I think we're about 75 people assisting nice. full-time employees and, and contractors. So that's incredible. Yeah, it's, been a, it's been a crazy ride. Yeah, I, no doubt. And what was your background then, Brandon? Uh, my background is in advertising, uh, so I went to school uh, for art direction specifically, kind of straddled that in copywriting, uh, focused my attention on Austin, w worked at a short stint in a multicultural agency called Latinworks, um, where I was writing commercials, and it was a very uh, soul-sucking process, and knew that I uh, wanted to do something different and be able to get back kind of the, the ownership that I experienced when I was making up crap in, uh, in college. 
and so product design was becoming the hot thing. You know, the iPhone hadn't been around for that long. Apps were becoming big, and kind of that was our, our entry point. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. And and Ivan, were you uh, were you also part of the the founding team, or what's your what's your connection here? Yeah, not not a founder, um, but I've been here for quite a while. Um, really really great group of folks. Uh, my, I guess, my short story is uh, went to school for design um, through art school. So I had a lot of different uh, interests. I kind of like hopped around, did some like internships at like screen printing shops and ad agencies, um, small boutique agencies doing like brand identity stuff. Um, and, you know, uh, managed some brands for like fashion and housewares, uh, did a little bit of, I think I, I did my tour in, um, the tech industry for a little bit. Um, and ultimately I think I just, I wanted something a little bit more, uh, with more variety, um, where I could touch a lot of different, uh, brands and problems to solve. So yeah, I kind of just like roundabout met some people at Handsome and, uh, one thing led to another, and I've been here for, I guess, three years or so. Nice. Um, but yeah, I, at Handsome, I, um, I'm an associate creative director uh, with, I guess, the emphasis on uh, all things brand. So uh, whether that's brand identity or positioning or even just figuring out how to find a new way to like make the brand live and breathe in a new type of experience that a company hasn't uh, done yet. So I work a lot with Brandon uh, on setting up teams and just executing whatever we need to. That's awesome. Uh, what area do you think is growing uh, bigger in tech, Salt Lake City or Austin? Because I hear they're like neck and neck, it seems like in terms of these like explosions of growth, right? It's going crazy down in Austin is what I, I just had. Yeah. I just had, I just had a friend over. Well, he's now a friend. I, he wasn't a friend beforehand. He'd lived in Salt Lake city for three days. And I was like, Hey, you and your family should come over for dinner. And he was telling me all about just how much Austin has exploded. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really know too much about the Salt Lake scene. Um, but if it's anything like the Austin scene, uh, I'm sure it's wild. Yeah. It's, it's nuts here. It's like, there's a, there's a new uh, tech unicorn that pops up like every week here. It seems like it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Um, well, that's awesome. Uh, and are you both, are you both uh, like, like, did you both go to UT Austin? Are you both like Texas natives? I mean, how did you end up in Austin? Was it by, you know, by accident, you were just like on a, like you're playing Oregon trail and somebody died from dysentery, but you decided to, stay in Austin. Yeah. I, I mean, you go first. Oh, uh, no, I went to the Kansas city art Institute. Um, I went through their, their art program. Um, and I'm originally from the Dallas area. So after spending some time in the Midwest, I kind of wanted to make my way back down to Texas. Um, and I don't know, Austin just kind of seemed like a natural fit. Nice. Yeah. And I was going to school in San Francisco 
uh, an art school there. And I had a friend that moved to Austin went to visit him. It felt, it had some San Francisco vibes, but was warm and affordable 10 years ago, at least. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's just bullheaded and said, okay, well, that's the only place I'm going to look for a job. Awesome. And it luckily worked out. Cool deal. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit. So you guys are obviously a full service brand agency, right? But I know nothing, virtually nothing about 90% of the work that you probably do in terms of, you know, these creative experiences, at least just kind of looking through your website. Um, but you also obviously packaging for a brand is a big part of consumer experience. Uh, it's, you know, from either D to C you know, um, unboxing kind of things or through retail environments and shelf presence and aesthetics and visual. And is it, can you know, like, is it consistent with all of the virtual digital stuff they're coming up with? Um, so I, I kind of wanted to dig in a little bit on packaging and just sort of like walk me through, maybe, I mean, you don't have to give away your secret sauce, obviously, but um, you know, like, what does that look like when you're developing a physical thing like a printed box or you know a printed bag that also is going to have to play in with uh, you know product shots and websites and you know all sorts of other different assets that a brand would have um, how difficult maybe is packaging in in that entire strategy um, when, when it comes to, to working with a brand? Uh, yeah, so I would say first and foremost, Handsome is a holistic experience design agency. That's what we, we, we call it ourselves at least. And so what that means is that we're looking at working with brands to evolve their overall ecosystem and whatever form it currently exists in and whatever frontiers that we can help them work into that makes sense for strategy. Uh, and so it often, it often it doesn't start with, hey, we need you to do our packaging work. Here's what else is going on. Uh, we typically come in for, we're going to be the, the brand agency and we will start auditing points, you know, for instance, for Snap Kitchen, it's, it's a consumer product, it's food. Um, and so a big touch point is the, the actual, the, the, the food itself, the containers they sit in, the box, um, and that, um, the entire experience around that. Uh, and so I think starting off with any package design project, we, we're kind of looking at things running in tandem. And so first, everything needs to be centered around strategy. And we like to always, you know, though it, it's more complicated, we like to bubble everything up into kind of a, a single single line that we mm. can we own from a strategy perspective. And so for the instance of Snap Kitchen, you know, they're, they're, um, they're microwavable healthy meals. Um, and so really looking at their customer base, looking at competitors, we really center around the idea of catering to people, young, young professionals that are living this a busy lifestyle and they really don't have time to eat. They want to eat healthy. They just want to know 
They want to grab, eat it, and then move on with their day. And so from, from every design decision that we're making forward, and I, I'm not going to say like down to like the, the, the tape, but we try to tie everything back to, to, to the strategy there. And so I think often where we, we win um, in comparison to, to other more traditional packaging agencies is that we're not just thinking about the overall box design, the overall label design. We're thinking about the entire, what we call specifically for Snap Kitchen, the in-home experience. And so what does that customer journey look like from the, the when they, they sign up online from the first ad that they see to um, them building their box, getting excited seeing the box, photos of it online and, and the actual uh, food that they're gonna get to that confirmation email to the email letting you know that the things have shipped to the box arriving at the door and what does it look like opening it up, what's inside. Um, you know, we built an entire, uh, not just like a really intricate packaging system, which had a lot of, you know, complicated parts as far as the food needed to, to stay cool, um, you know, was getting beat up as the packaging was, was moving around, but also like those moments of interest about like what, what kind of goodie can we put inside for today? And how do we make sure that that's personalized and, and not stagnant? Um, and so the box experience on, on day one, it looks really different from the box experience when you're you know three months of ordering with Snap Kitchen. And how do we keep that fresh and keep them engaged in different ways? That's cool, yeah. I, because the idea of you know sort of healthy and fresh also can can go into just the experience of receiving the packaging over and over and over again. And how do you keep that experience from getting stale, right? That's got to be a bit of a creative challenge. Um, Ivan, being a kind of, a, it sounds like you have a background in sort of like graphics communication. And so did, did you find it at all or have you found it at all difficult over the last three years? And we can stay on the Snap Kitchen thing to to express the brand's creativity or, or to express the, the brand's strategy. What was it? Uh, healthy meals for busy people while having some very real limitations when it comes to structure and materials in packaging. How, how, how has that been kind of maybe different from other, other things that you've worked on? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I guess an interesting uh, aspect to the snap account really is just like with that you know healthy meals for busy people there was a little bit of like a, a lifestyle that they wanted to portray um and you know part of that is like being really simple and kind of bold with like color use but not um overly verbose i guess and so that kind of lends itself to creating some some nice packaging, um, at least from like the outside of the box uh, standpoint. And then I think, you know, with with the company that's willing to invest in that, I guess, that presence or that aesthetic, um, they're sometimes willing to, you know, uh, give a couple extra dollars to certain types of ink or, um, you know, we went back and forth for a long time on something that is kind of a tangent, but uh, the adhesive um, that goes over these meals, right? So the package um, 
I don't know, the, the, the entrees, right? They're in this tray that then has like a clear top on top of it. Uh, and since these are like shipped to people, but they're also in the store, there's all this real information that has to be on the label. So we use the label to also uh, secure the lid onto the, the bottom of the, the entree. Um, and I don't know, just like through a lot of user testing, it's some of the adhesive uh, would be like cheaper, but it was like way too sticky. And it was like yeah. really difficult. And you had to remove this stuff before you put it in the microwave. Um, so I don't know, just like little things like that, where we were really able to kind of, uh, collaborate with the right people at, at Snap Kitchen to, you know, maybe save a couple dollars here and there to really have that nicer matte paper, um, that in some ways, uh, uh created a more elegant, uh, experience where, um, you know, let's embrace like craft, uh, colored boxes, um, for our exterior packaging when we're shipping it to people so that we can then invest in um, some more interactive elements like shipping people customized calendars um, or you know a, a custom spork or something like that. So um, I guess, yeah, it's like sort of a, a roundabout way of just saying like, I think it was interesting working with Snap Kitchen to, uh, to kind of find ways to push and pull there and stay within the budget for them, but still um, make something that was, was simple and effective, uh, for the consumer. How do I get a custom spork? That's, uh, that's the real question of the day. That sounds incredible. Brandon, you want to take that one? <laughs> <laughs> we could talk, we can connect offline. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, how much did you have to lean on? Not just in, in, you know, in this, again, in, in this exact specific instance with snap kitchen how much did you have to lean on the expertise of maybe outside like packaging engineers or the vendors who are working with snap kitchen on things like materials uh food safety audits um you know you mentioned microwaves so if you've got a bag you know are the like something that i didn't realize until i actually got into um working with flexible packaging was in some cases, or no, I'm sorry, this was on uh, shrink sleeves. The black ink that is used in some shrink sleeve manufacturing can spark in a microwave. I was like, uh. oh gosh, I had no idea. Um, so, and I was working for a manufacturer and I was like, wow, I would never have even thought to ask that question, right? Um, so how much did you have to lean on, you know, packaging professionals, either at vendors or outside third parties when it came to, creating the entire experience that you wanted to create yeah yeah we we yeah. either one can take it go ahead yeah i was gonna say we we definitely we definitely had to uh you know they had they had previous relationships uh and we also made recommendations and that was probably you know often it's the most tedious process about working with outside vendors negotiating pricing us from you know coming from a fresh perspective of caring about quality and design helping navigate helping guide snap kitchen stakeholders to say hey it's worth the extra money to go with this different vendor uses type of material and it's all it and that is a very soul-sucking process it's not the fun part about design right. and, and i'll say to that what we purposely did is we start with 
blue sky ideas and we take them all the way to prototype before we get involved with any of that. And then what that does, it allows us to give the ultimate, you know, if we had all the money in the world, here it, here it is. And the client can see that and then we can bring it back to reality versus already starting with all of these limitations. You can't do this. It just, it sucks the creativity out of the design process. Um, and so, yeah, we were able to, you know, in the beginning, we were able to uh, design out the ideal flow, the entire customer journey, look at all the different uh, touch points in the, the in-home experience, ideate around like, you know, what they're going to get on the intro, on the first package versus the, the 20th. Um, you know, we came up with uh, different partnership ideas, um, so on and so forth. Uh, and then we, we kind of presented that all in a deck along with an actual physical prototype. And we walked the client through, you know, opening up the box and experience. And then we said, okay, now let's figure out what we can do. And, you know, we're good, we're good at that as well. And, you know, we, we were, we were, it wasn't like it was a new product. And so they had a box that was already shipping. And so we had to not only figure out, you know, what is realistic, but also what we, what parts of this system can we get out in a month versus a year and really help them navigate cost implications in that timeline for them to get as close as possible to the kind of ideal vision. Got it. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, one thing that is, is cool is we have a, a pretty, the, the group of, of folks at Handsome have like really diverse backgrounds, right? So one of our, our brand designers is a really talented industrial designer by trade of school and spent a long time doing a lot of that. And so it was a really cool process where we were able to come up with some unique ideas, right? Like uh, a, a, something that we hadn't really seen out there, uh, which is like, you know, very simple. It's just like a cardboard insert into the box um, to help get the food out of the box when you're unboxing it, right? Like it right. sounds so simple, but, you know, if you've ever had one of these boxes delivered by any, you know, insert any sort of meal delivery service, um, it's really hard to like stick your hands in there and like not cut your fingers and stuff like that. And so being able to like come up with those ideas in the prototype um, and actually build them out physically, test that stuff just amongst our team um, and, and kind of say like here, you know, out of all of our experience, here's sort of like what we know is out there. We may not know like the technical limitations or the food safe uh, area, but we can take these ideas um, you know, that are, are working and we can make a video of it uh, and, and sort of have the, the client buy in on that. And then with their whole expertise uh, side, which, you know, there's a ton of people that work there that their whole thing is just like working on nutrition or making sure that um, all of the materials in the kitchen are food safe. Uh, and so being able to just kind of say like, here's what it should be. Like, how can you guys help us realize this? Um, I don't know, it was, a, it was a cool collaboration for sure. But we, like Brandon said, we definitely leaned very heavily on, um, on the know of, of those folks, but, you know, tried to push them into some space that was maybe a little uncomfortable for them sure. uh, or yeah. unfamiliar. I mean, innovation doesn't happen without 
pushing out of comfort zones. I mean, that's by, by necessity that has to happen. And, you know, as a, as somebody in the packaging industry, I have been multiple times on the, the other end of that, where it's like, why is everybody saying why we can't do something? Why don't we, why don't we figure out can't, what can we do to reach this, the same goal, right? So it may not look the exact same or function the exact same, but is it 99% there? Is it 98% there? Just it, the answer doesn't have to be, you know, zero or a hundred percent, right? Like let's, let's kind of come together. And, and I totally agree. Like those brainstorming sessions that you were talking about, Brandon, of sometimes having the, the realism set in too early can limit the, the, the ideation process. And, and I think that at least in the packaging industry, this is an area of growth, I think, for a lot of companies is a, a lot of packaging manufacturers are really quick to say no, mm-hmm. instead of saying, oh, that's an interesting point. I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. Let's, let's explore this together, you know, like, and maybe it's going to take six months to figure out. Maybe it's not something that we have today, but can we go figure this out together? Um, I think we're getting better at that. At least I hope we're getting better at that. Yeah. And I think that's a lot where having in-house physical prototyping as a capability right. really helps because, you know, you have people that they're, they're salespeople and that this is what we can do on the list. This is what we can't do. But if you can get in front of somebody and say, here it is, it's real. It's a lot easier for everyone to wrap their head around it and figure out how to make yeah. it react. What was one of, what's been one of the biggest, uh, packaging challenges that you wish I typically say this to the end of the conversation we'll ask it right now so you know with with this particular um with with snap kitchen right snap yeah snap kitchen sorry uh, with snap kitchen if you could be like man if we could have just like waved a wand and fix this instantly it would have saved us hours and hours and hours of tedious work and heartbreak what one or a couple things do you think that might have been I'm trying to censor myself from <laughs> some things. Trust me, trust me. I know, I know all of the. I, so, I, I my background. I got into packaging. I was doing a lot of like procurement and buying, and I can tell you all the problems with packaging salespeople. If you really want me to go down that rabbit hole of despair, but um, yeah, I mean, I there's it's the, the, the industry in and of itself is huge, right? It's a trillion dollar global industry. It's in any given room. I've said this before in other podcasts. If you look around your room, what you realize is every single thing in that room required packaging to get there. Right. And that's a pretty crazy thought to think about the drywall needs packaging. The steel beams needed packaging, the furniture needed packaging and all of that packaging that was needed to get the drywall <laughs> needed packaging to get to the place to be turned into packaging. So it's a, it's a stupid big industry that doesn't get a whole lot of attention. Um, but it also has a lot of stupid problems. So. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, we, so we were, you know, we weren't, we weren't just, we're working with them to redesign their brand to re redesign, redevelop their, the actual com experience, the checkout flows, and those, everything was happening at the, on the same track. You know, goal, obviously, for, for any client is ROI. 
And so, you know, we had an idea of how we're going to increase sales through uh, to opening up. They were, you know, they were only, they were only Austin based. They had, they had, they were more reliant on physical stores and we were really opening up this direct to consumer model. Um, and I think, I, I, I wish that we could have, we could have seen the success from that a little bit earlier on, because I think that would have helped the client not be so hesitant about blowing this experience out. You know, yeah. I think that we, when we got into the actual production timelines, we were still, we still hadn't, we still hadn't launched the product. And so we had to take a more conservative approach uh, to, to got how complex or yeah. the packaging was. And I wish that we'd, we'd had those results sooner. So there was more excitement and more eagerness to, you know, just go, go crazy. Yeah. And I think, you know, on a related note, you know, this is, it was sort of happening. A lot of this was happening in the height of the pandemic. So there was a lot of unknown, um, but a lot of the design challenges really came with designing a system that was flexible enough to work with uh, places like Whole Foods and meet their requirements from a content perspective, um, which I'm sure, as you know, is like a lot of really fine print and mm -hmm. like weird, weird stuff, you know, like you can't say the word healthy um, or, you know, uh, but, but then like, you know, still create a, a non-cluttered experience for when we directly ship it to a customer, right? Or when they go into a snap kitchen uh, brick and mortar. Right. Like those are three very different things. And we were trying to design for all of them at the same time, um, you know, which posed some interesting challenges. And I think we came up with some cool solutions, but it definitely was like a, it was a big, uh, a, a big headache um, that I think, you know, if we were to go back today, knowing what we know now, um, I think we kind of separate those out a little bit more and have, you know, more ammunition to say like this is why we're you know it this is why we have two different labels or that kind of thing so got it yeah let's yeah. talk about labels here for a second because you guys uh it looks like just kind of looking on the site they've got all sorts of different products but before the call we were talking about one of um my favorite topics which is there's a there is a very positive move in packaging towards towards clear food packaging um, you know, you see it now in like these vacuum skin, uh, trays where the food is a lot fresher. It's, you know, you can see it, uh, it, a lot of it happened from actually baby food where a company that was using a white pouch, like those squeezy pouches, uh, there was contaminant inside of it. You couldn't see it and it got fed to a child, which made the child sick. So a lot of these pouches started coming into clear. You see it now in, in you know these pressed juices and things like that so as as you are in the middle of all of this stuff right you're designing all of these things you're creating this whole new experience you're you're you know Ivan like you talked about you're you're kind of dual pathing all of this and then to get hit with these weird challenges that I'm sure kind of came out of left field like a clear juice bottle with a clear label um maybe talk to me about that like where a rendering is probably going to look a lot different than the actual physical product and and how do you keep that brand 
consistent when it comes to the digital and the physical experience with packaging and, and online? Yeah, uh, I think Brandon was definitely a lot closer to the, the juice portion of this. Um, so I'm sure he's got some stuff. It's but a tough one. I, know, I mean, it, it was definitely um, <laughs> a lot of time looking at Pantone swatches uh, against like juice colors and saying like, I think this is the, the closest, um, but like being okay with like a kind of like a range, right? Like not every green juice is going to be the exact same green, even though the ingredients are the same. Um, and that was kind of, I mean, I'll kind of like Brandon take it, but that's sort of how we, we went with that, where it was like, we decided to try to embrace the look of a clear label um, without um, the unsightly scene of like a, a settled juice or a separated juice. Yeah, so I think we we they they had they had had some juice labels on the shelf, and they had kind of gone through some of the pain points. I think everyone wants to show off the the product and I think they started with clear labels um, and then ended up having solid labels because of the the juice cold press juice settling which I'm sure that you had the same experience with yeah cold juice. um you know and it was kind of this conversation of is that okay like is 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 the juice settling okay and I think we were in the camp of yeah, it, it is okay. I mean, they're gonna sh they're gonna sh the first thing you do with the juice, and if we can also like, can we, we through through some ideas around about making that making that okay? This is what a juice looks like that's real, and you know, shake it and making that part of the experience, and maybe adding that to the label in some sort of way. Um, there was some there was a lot of debate there, and I think ultimately what we decided is we created a system where there were. A combination of solid labels and clear labels, um, depending on the what, because they had not only juices but they had smoothies and some some juices like were collagen juices. You weren't really seeing that separation, um, and so it kind of became a, a case by case basis. Got it. So the ones where the juice would settle, would you kind of decide, and it would look kind of pretty distinct? You would decide on like a more solid label. And then right. the ones where there wasn't as much separation, you could stick with a clear label. Is that sort of the way it rolled out? Right. Yeah. Okay. And I guess that would solve the, you know, my question was looking at kind of full, full scale experiences. If, you know, how do you represent something that is going to look differently depending on, you know, if I, if I get, if I get the juice and I'm sitting there at the store, let's say, and I shake it up just to see that I set it back down then somebody comes up after me and they see a fully shaken juice next to one that's not shaken. And, you know, like there's so many things about the brain experience that you can't really control. Um, so I was just kind of curious how you, how you accommodate for that, but it sounds like you found a pretty cool solution, which was just have a slightly different variation of the label, depending on the separation. Yeah. I mean, and I think, I, I think the radical idea, like the cool idea would be like the education moment of like, you want healthy food. Like, here's what, you know, healthy food looks like and sort of that education moment that I'm sure a lot of people have, I had, where it was like, wait, why is this peanut butter like separated right now? Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, well, duh, because as a kid, you never had like natural peanut butter. You just have like some weird spread. Um, and being okay with that separation and being like, this isn't rotten. 
peanut butters. I just got to mix it up real quick. It's no big deal. Um, if, if Snap, you know, could take that approach and be like, we're sort of educating you on healthy food and what that looks like. I think that would be a really cool moment. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately we were able to come up with something that ticked the boxes for everyone. Got it. Uh, so, I think it, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, we, we, we were able to win in some different areas there. I mean, they had, for instance, we were able to convince them about renaming the product line. They had had really, that's created the right word. They had very interesting names um, that weren't necessarily descriptive. Uh, but, you know, one of the brand values that we came up with is just being, is just being clear um, and letting the food speak for itself. And so, you know, and I, and I think, you know, this isn't new to the juice category. I think we're seeing this a lot where it's just, what is, what, what is this made out of? And so give, instead of giving it a complicated name, which then has to compete with the brand ownership of Snap, letting really calling it what it is from an ingredient standpoint, listing the ingredients out clearly on the label itself. And that kind of very helps inform new packaging design. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. So my my last question, as you've kind of been talking, you're you're talking about these holistic experiences. I get asked a lot about, um, we'll call it connected or interactive packaging. So ways to pull a, an experience that is, you know, tangible, a tangible product experience and pull that into, use that real estate to pull people back into the digital world, you know, either via their phone, whether it's uh, augmented reality or a QR code or, you know, triggering reorders or how do I recycle this? What are my sustainability things? Like so much of our lives now are, are both, right? Like there's not many people who are, who are strictly analog anymore, especially in the U S there's most of us are living in, in two different, I mean, we're doing an interview right now over zoom. You're in Austin, Texas. I'm in Salt Lake city. So how, how have you as a, as an agency, whether it's with snap kitchen or not with snap kitchen, worked to bridge that digital analog um, gap to create a holistic experience um, for, for your customer's customer? Yeah, I think it's just table stakes at this point. Um, you know, we're, we're, and we're, we're the agency that's typically working across the digital and physical space. And so the brand has everything needs to loop back to one another you can't have a dead end uh and mm. so you know it's things like you get the package you know simple ideas like how do you how do you take care of menu fatigue uh people are getting the same food items over and over again and so how do you make it simple for them to get from looking at a product and going oh i've already had the turkey meatballs 10 times i'm sick of snack kitchen to making that to an opportunity. So seeing something physical, for instance, you know, we had ideas around sending sample packaging. And so like, think about like little mini meals. And so you get like a six, uh, little six pack tray of new menu items. And you're able to interact to vote on one. That's got it. Almost like a flight, like a flight of whiskey or something like that, but with me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. So, so the answer is not, okay, go to, go to www.snapkitchen.com and go to your account. It's take a picture of this and it'll, you know, link you directly to there. 
um, where you can give some quick. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we were talking about like things like sustainability, like that's obviously a big deal. It was a big problem for snap fishing because they had, they were packing so many meals um, in, in, in Texas and you have to just have this giant insulated box, the cardboard that Ivan was talking about with pulling out trays, that was because we ha they, ha they had to have cardboard in there to separate the multiple ice packs for things not to get wet. And so we turned that into an opportunity but, you know, they were still like they were getting these boxes and there's a lot of complaints about why is there six ice packs in here that look like they look like they're full of chemicals. Right. Uh, I, feel, I feel so wasteful throwing away all the stuff. And so we had, there was no education on what these materials are made out of, that they were all recyclable. The areas where things weren't recyclable, we, we found new products. And so basically, you know, we we added instructions um to you know we, there was an insert with an insert and an that linked to digital story about um you know what we're trying to do to reduce carbon footprint you know how much you know where how, how you can easily dispose recycle of all the packaging um yeah i was pretty stoked on the on the ice packs i there was a lot of research that went into that and kind of collaboration i think makes some pretty pretty cool looking ice packs you know there's like graphics printed on them and the education points that brandon is talking about but i remember and this was why i was like so caught up on it was like way back in the day i remember ordering like a a blue apron or something like that and it came in this giant box and like the insulation was like basically like like cotton jean material like wrapped in like uh aluminum foil looking stuff uh and then like layers of foam and you know people that live in busy cities like you're paying for your trash can right and if you're living alone it's like you don't need a 32 gallon trash can like you probably have a small one you set out on the, the curb and I was I always remember thinking just like wow, this one package like filled up my trash can. So like, I got to be real chill on the trash this week. Um, and so that was like a big thing for me where it was like, oh, cool. Like this is like non-toxic stuff that you can cut this ice pack, you drain it out. And like the waste is very, very minimal in comparison to, to other experiences. And um, yeah, I don't know. Any opportunities like that are, are nice and fun. Being able to throw graphics on it is, is an extra added thing. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, what a, what a way to kind of tie it up. Like you're, you're not only dealing with like, how do we work on the shopping cart to create the experience a lot easier, but also how do we help a consumer dispose of an ice pack when they get it? it all of it, right? From the minute somebody engages online to the minute they get their stuff is all part of that holistic experience. Um, you know, I, I try to help because you know, not a lot of people realize that the packaging industry is is huge. And so as somebody who is just like, like I have friends who are not in the packaging industry and I try to tell everybody like, you are a packaging buyer. Like when somebody orders something from Snap Kitchen, they have, they have acquired the packaging as well. And so a brand who's not thinking through end of life, like how do we help that experience even be something that's easy and clear, uh, not just 
you know, like we were talking about the juice labels, right? Like the ingredients should be clear, but it should also be equally as clear what the consumer is supposed to do with the packaging when they're done with it. Um, and and it, it's it's cool to hear that you even thought all the way through to the experience on the ice pack, you know, the experience of the label on the juice bottle. Like for us in the packaging industry, there's probably people who are like, yes, thank you. Except for you said corrugate or you said cardboard and I'm guessing it's corrugated and there are people who like, that'll be their thing. Like the, like the grammar people who are like good versus well, there are literally people who will be like, no, 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 it's not called cardboard. It's called corrugated. Just so you know, in case you ever meet yeah. one at a party, <laughs> uh, that'll be the thing. Um, well, this has been great guys. How do, uh, so first of all, um, how do people get in touch with, with your, with handsome or with you individually? What are some ways that people can reach out if they got any further questions? Brandon, you get to go first. I would say, uh, normal channels for handsome. I mean, our website, you know, obviously we're, we're up on Instagram, I would and Twitter. Um, people are more than welcome to, to reach out to me directly. Um, Sound like right? LinkedIn or something? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I hate to be that person, but yeah, like LinkedIn, it's the easiest great, right it's now, a right? Great way, yeah. It's like Brandon, Brandon at Hanson.is. That's oh, the electronic mails now. Yeah. Got it. Where's What's that? Let me, let me get my phone number. Hold on. <laughs> Do you have a pager? Yes, <laughs> but it's not it's not for this work. Oh, got it. Yeah, I yeah, got yeah. it. I, no. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. Class, I miss, classless, I do, classless joke at the end of the podcast, just to put that, you know. That was amazing. Off. Yeah. I remember being in high school and uh I did not have a pager and I was really mad. So I had to go find a payphone, but I, I, I didn't want to pay for the call. So I would call my parents and when it's time to go from like practice and I'd be like, they'd be like, please say your name. And I'd be like, it's Adam, pick me up. <laughs> and then they'd, they'd be like, I'm sorry, they won't take your call. I'd click. I'm like, I can't believe this. <laughs> yeah. Hacking the system. I did. I did. You gotta, you, you gotta work smarter, not harder. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Brandon and Ivan, this has been awesome. Uh, such cool insights. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that you know, that people can reach out. We love having people on who are, you know, like we, we talk to a lot of like packaging engineers and sustainable packaging consultants and people who work for packaging companies. And so it's just so cool to get other perspectives um, on where packaging fits. Um, and it was cool to have kind of this case study with Snap Kitchen. Um, anyway, I appreciate you both being on. Everyone go check out handsome.is. And if you're feeling especially kind, you can, uh, you can like or subscribe to the people of packaging podcast while we aim for world domination. So thank you guys so much. Appreciate being on. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Well, that is it for another episode of the people of packaging podcast. Thanks for listening. It would mean so much to us if you would like and share and subscribe to this podcast. We want as many people to know about the incredible people that we have in the packaging industry because we believe that packaging is awesome. Thanks again.